Chapter Four of Campfire Girls in the Country by Stella M. Francis. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Leanne Howlett. A startling discovery. What's the matter, Aunt Hannah? What have you lost? Hazel inquired with deep concern, moved by her relative's agitation. But Mrs. Hutchins' distress was even greater than at first it appeared. Fearing that she was about to faint, two of the girls took hold of her arms to support her. Evidently she was in need of this assistance, for her weight rested heavily on them. "'Somebody call a taxi and we'll take her home,' Hazel requested. No further effort was made at this time to learn what was the article whose loss had so unnerved the now unhappy woman. It was not necessary to call a taxicab, for Mrs. Hutchins's friends were numbered almost by the population of the town, and a machine belonging to one of the leading citizens was offered for service. Hazel, Marion Stanlock, and Helen Nash accompanied her in the automobile to her home. Mrs. Hutchins rallied considerably soon after the machine left the crowded square, and began a nervous, half-hysterical discussion of the developments of the day. "'I bet there was a regular army of pickpockets in that crowd,' she said. "'I bet, too, that you'll find they were scattered all over the square, and worked like beavers during the excitement. You just see if a very large number of people weren't robbed.' "'And the very thing happened that they needed to make their work easy,' Marion suggested. "'I wonder if it really just happened,' said Hazel dubiously. "'I can't help feeling that there was something mighty funny in that fight. "'We girls have had a good deal of athletic training at school, "'and while they don't exactly make acrobats out of us, "'we know something about balancing ourselves under difficulties.' Now, I don't believe that little fellow could have remained balanced on the shoulders of the larger man unless... Hazel hesitated. The other passengers of the automobile gazed at her expectantly. Unless what? Helen asked. Unless there was collusion? Exactly, Hazel replied, just a little relieved at the removal from her of the responsibility for the audacious idea that really was in her mind and seeking expression. "'But you know cowboys can hang on to a bucking bronco until it is tired out,' reasoned Marion, who was less inclined to suspicion. "'Yes, and they can do that only after long practice,' Hazel answered quickly. "'And what man, I don't care how athletic he may be, can balance himself standing on the shoulders of another man?' who was trying to throw him off. I don't believe even a circus rider could do it. You mean that the whole performance was a fake? Aunt Hannah inquired. Yes, or a part of the day's program. No, that wouldn't be allowed any more than a genuine prize fight, Marion objected. I think you're right, Hazel assented. But what was the reason for putting over such a gigantic fake? Marion asked. "'It might have been to give the pickpockets an opportunity to get their work in,' was Hazel's keen suggestion. "'My, I can hardly believe it,' Marion exclaimed. "'I'm not saying positively that any such audacious trick as that was planned, 
"'but I won't dismiss the idea until the thing is fully explained,' Aunt Hannah declared. All of the girls returned to Mrs. Hutchins' home for supper, for although they had a camp with tents pitched and everything in complete outing order, arrangements had been made for feeding and housing them indoors that night, so as to obviate laborious details that might hinder them from getting the most possible from the day's celebrations. Moreover, there was to be a grand display of fireworks at the lake in the evening, and everybody had planned to be on the scene as early as possible. Aunt Hannah recovered rapidly from the nervous shock she had received, following her return home in company with three of the girls. But still she was evidently depressed by the loss she had suffered, and announced that she would not go to the lake to see the fireworks. "'I think I'll stay here with you, Auntie,' Hazel announced at the dinner table. "'No, you won't,' Mrs. Hutchins returned quickly. "'You'll go out with the other girls and have a good time. "'It'll be all right. "'Nothing the matter with me. "'Only a little upset. "'I've got a good appetite and my digestion's fine.' "'But I don't like to leave you here alone,' Hazel insisted. "'What do you think I'd do if you girls weren't here?' inquired the rebellious patient. "'Haven't I got Minerva, the best housekeeper on earth, here with me? "'And couldn't she shoo away anything from a ghost to a nightmare? "'You campfire girls have got the notion that nobody can do anything quite right except yourselves. "'But I want to inform you that there are others in this world.' especially when it's your duty to unload some of the world's burden from your shoulders and enjoy yourselves. Ain't it so, Minerva? The latter, a sleek, jolly-faced, colored woman, who was engaged in serving peaches and devil's food cake for dessert, showed her appreciation of the honor of reference to her as an authority by replying heartily. Deed it is, Mrs. Hutchins. They sure ought to go and see them their fireworks without peradventure of any doubt. I just naturally want to stay with you here alone, missus, and don't want no one hanging around what ought to be enjoying themselves. How about you, Minerva? Wouldn't you like to go and see the fireworks yourself? Hazel asked. Now bless your heart, child. You do make some funny propositions. The very idea. Me see fireworks. <laughs> and as she laughed, her loosely knit avert a poise shook comically. This merry discussion relieved considerably the strain of the day's doings, so that the misgivings of the girls at the prospect of leaving their hostess alone with the faithful colored housekeeper were considerably allayed. Mrs. Hutchins kept up a general appearance and manner of cheerfulness, although several times Hazel wondered if this appearance were not produced with great effort as she observed her aunt apparently lapse into momentary despondency. But if the girl was not mistaken as to appearances, Aunt Hannah successfully disarmed suspicion each time by some light remark or gaiety of manner difficult to associate with depression of spirits. So the girls all went to Lake Ellen, a pretty sheet of water half a mile long and a furlong wide, resting comfortably in a platter-like depression between the southeastern edge of the town and a succession of wooded hills. In the course of the events of the evening they heard many references to the sensational affair of the afternoon, and learned that the number of persons known to have been robbed had been growing hourly, 
until the stories that were being circulated had become almost unbelievable. Many watches had been taken, valuable necklaces worn by women had disappeared, and scores of pocketbooks containing amounts from a few cents up to two hundred dollars had been taken from the pockets and handbags of men and women. The members of Flamingo Campfire returned to Mrs. Hutchins' home about eleven o'clock that night, filled with awe at the grand scale on which the operations of the pickpockets had been conducted. Aunt Hannah had prepared sleeping quarters for the girls before they arrived at her home, and directed them to make use of these accommodations whenever, for any reason, they desired a change from camp life. So on this occasion they all knew their places and reached their several bedrooms without delay or confusion, and without disturbing the other occupants of the house. Hazel and Harriet Newcomb together occupied an upstairs room at the east end of the long Dixie-like frame house. Fifteen minutes after their return from the evening celebration they were in bed, and the general quiet throughout the place indicated that the other girls also had retired. They fell asleep almost immediately, but did not slumber undisturbed until break of day. Hazel was the first to open her eyes. Her first conscious sense was one of alarm. Then she found herself wondering if she had had an unpleasant dream. She recalled the principal events of the Fourth of July celebration, and attempted to convince herself that the repulsive fight she had witnessed was only a nightmare, but the delusion did not remain with her long. She looked toward the east window and observed the yellow moonlight streaming in like atmospheric gold. As the reality of things dawned upon her, she recalled the fact that some very distinct creaking noise, as of the swinging of a door, had awakened her. Almost at the same instant the sound was repeated, and with a thrill of apprehension she almost sprang out of bed and hastened to the window and looked out. The first glance over the moonlit yard brought nothing remarkable to her view except the beauty of the mellow scene, which, however, she was in no frame of mind to recognize. The kitchen was around on the north side of the house, but a curved walk leading from this entrance wound around a flower bed to the east and off toward a gate near the automobile drive. Keeping her eyes on this view, Hazel listened intently for further noises downstairs. Suddenly, from the shadow of the house to the north, appeared the form of a woman clad in a loose robe and with nothing on her head. Hazel was so startled for the moment that she retained only slight control of her senses, and it is small wonder that she gave a sharp gasp of astonishment. The woman was Aunt Hannah. End of chapter 4